for 12 years in a row. Ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. And we're privileged and happy to have you. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. Welcome, Arizona homeowners, again to Rosie on the House, your happy place every single Saturday morning where we do take any question you might have about your house, home, castle, or cabin. From the foundations to the rooftop and everything in between, we like to melt away your homeowner anxieties and help you get done any project you're trying to tackle around your house. In particular, this month in October, we're recognizing Fire Prevention Month. So we've reached out nationally to find experts that can come in and help educate Arizona homeowners about what fire prevention can mean and what it does mean. So today, we've invited special guests all the way joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, Ashley Bryant, who is the co-chair of the National Electric Manufacturers Association Task Force, and she's also senior product manager for electronic circuit breakers with Simons. So who else would we want to talk to about fire prevention than Ashley Bryant. Ashley, thanks a million for joining us this Saturday morning. Rosie, thank you so much for having me. Tell me a little bit about, uh, y'all Y'all blew something across our desk about the NEMA announcement of everything y'all wanted proclaimed and kind of the evolution of electronic equipment in people's homes and what it has meant to home safety. Talk a little bit about the arc fault circuit Interrupter. Most homeowners have no clue they've even got one in their house, or if they do or not. Oh, yes. Let's go ahead and start with what is an arc fault, right? An arc fault is arcing in an electrical uh, circuit. So anytime a wire is loose or a wire has been damaged, those sparks or arcs can jump through the air and cause a fire. And so an arc fault circuit interrupter is designed to interrupt the circuit or turn off when there is an arc fault on the circuit. And this is exactly what we are talking about this week and this month in fire prevention, right? We are trying to prevent fires from happening in homes with this um, advanced technology, this arc fault circuit interrupter. Now, Ashley, Um, check, check my memory, Ashley. Uh, I want to think the National Electric Code mandated these. Oh, I'm going to say it was like 2003 or 2004. Uh, it was it, actually 2002. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Super close. So and it went into the national, the ASCI recommendation or requirement went into the National Electric Code in 1999, but wasn't actually required until 2002. There was a little bit of a, a grace period there. So if a homeowner is in a home that's built since 2003, 4, or 5, the chances are probably good they've got an arc fault circuit interrupter. Yes, absolutely. How about... Back in 2002, the National Electric Code requirement was for bedrooms only. Since then, over the last 20 years, you know, the National Electric Code is rewritten or, you know, advanced every three years. And since 2002, that requirement for AFCI has actually moved to other circuits in the house. So not only is it required in bedrooms, now it's also required in 
family rooms and dining rooms and kitchens and laundry rooms and hallways and closets. Just such a wonderful safety device. It's Uh, been decided over the years that it needs to be in more parts of our homes to protect our uh, family. I'll tell you a little funny story about myself. In owning okay. in owning a remodeling company in Arizona, mm-hmm. I had I had to live through the introductions of the ground fault interrupter, and you may not be old enough, but when those ground fault interrupters first got introduced, there was Back a per- the there, there was a pretty big learning curve. Uh, ladies using their blow dryer in the master bathroom would have to go outside in their. Uh, gown and flip the circuit breaker and i Mm -hmm. can't tell you the number of times people requested of my company please take that thing out so i'm sitting at my desk and uh i'm reading this new code requirement for arc fault interrupters and i'll confess my eyeballs kind of rolled back in my head i thought oh no what have we got coming down the line here and Mm -hmm. just later that morning my electrician was in the office, and I saw him, so I grabbed him. I brought him back to my office, and I said, uh, what, what, what is this art fault? He says, he says, it's probably the best thing since sliced bread for home safety. You're going to be glad, once you learn what it is, that they're mandating we install it. It's, an, uh, it's absolutely great. I am so glad to hear that. Yes, I, I agree with you. And and much like the ground fault breaker, the arc fault breaker did have, you know, we did have a learning curve in the beginning. But, you know, if you look at the numbers uh, that were published by the NFPA, the National Fire Protection Association, um, since the 80s uh, to, to the last five years, or 2015 to 2019, the home fires, uh, electrical-related fires, have decreased by 31%. The home fire deaths went down 9%, home fire injuries down 18%. I mean, there's a, a large part of that is due to this this advanced technology, this safety device. These arc fault um, circuit breakers, we're, we are so proud of, of the fire prevention devices that we've developed. As a, as a remodeling contractor who got his career started, in South Louisiana, I've repaired homes from flooding, a good number of them, and hurricane damage. Moving to Arizona, I've repaired quite a few of our monsoon storm damages, uh, trees falling across uh, roofs and causing leaks. But folks, I can tell you, the most heartbreaking and hardest repair to overcome is a fire. Mm-hmm. It, it, is, it is merciless. As to what it can do to your family heirlooms, your photo journals, your your, uh, jewelry, your furniture, your artwork. I mean, there's nothing worse in all the catastrophes I've ever had to deal with with homeowners as having to deal with a fire. So let me ask you this, Ashley. We have a lot of homes in Arizona. We had a huge building boom back in the 60s, another monster building boom in the 80s and the 90s. What about these homes that were built prior to the art fault mandate? Can they be retrofitted? Absolutely, and we highly recommend it. It's not obviously a requirement, um, 
It's a, you know, the AFCIs are required for new construction and renovation. Um, but it is absolutely uh, recommended to update your electrical system in your home to include art faults and ground faults if you don't have those um, to keep your family safe. Folks, I couldn't encourage you enough to contact a trusted electrician and ask them if you live in an older home. What would the proposal be for updating this home to meet current electric codes? And if you do do it, don't forget to contact your insurance company and let them know. There could be mm-hmm. savings on your homeowner's policy that would go a ways in offsetting the investment it's going to take to get this done. Absolutely. All right. So, Miss Ashley, we've talked our way through the arc fault circuit interrupters and how critical and important they are. Um, what would you like homeowners to know about smoke detectors and smoke alarms? Absolutely. We went ahead and included smoke detectors and smoke alarms in our piece uh, for fire prevention week uh, because they are so important. The arc fault circuit interrupter is really the prevention, right? It's going to, the breaker is going to trip to prevent a fire from happening electrically. But there is always the candle or the stovetop um, that could, you know, put our lives in danger. And so we want to make sure that everybody is doing the best that they can to protect their homes and their families and installing those smoke detectors and smoke alarms per the requirements in order to make sure we're... um, alarmed if there is another, you know, if there is a fire in our home. And folks, coming up now on the holiday season as we are, my guess is there'll probably be more lighted candles inside homes now in the next several months than there typically are. There's also a thing called a Christmas tree in many homes, and we know the stories of how Christmas trees can turn to kindling. I would encourage you all, before this weekend is out, Go through your smoke detectors and smoke alarms. Take a look at them. Check the dates of the batteries. Now might be a really good time if they're not direct wire, if they're not hard wire, and they are battery operated. This would be a great weekend to check that off your to-do list. Now, ahead of the holiday season. Well, Miss Ashley Bryant, I can't thank you enough for taking your personal time out on this Saturday morning to visit with us. Anything else our Arizona homeowners should know? Rosie, thank you so much for including me in your show today. And the last thing I wanted to note is if if folks wanted more information on the AFCI, the AFCI technology, we have a great website called afcisafety.org. AFCISafety.org. And that website will tell homeowners everything that they would like to know about AFCIs, the technology, the history, and um, how to talk to your electrician about updating your electrical system to keep your family and your home safe. Ashley Bryant, co-chair of the National Electric Manufacturers Association Task Force, and Senior Product Manager for Electronic Circuit Breakers with Siemens. Ashley, thanks a million. 
I'm very grateful for your time and the wisdom you've been able to share with our Arizona homeowners. Rosie, thank you so much. segment that we're now going to build into a regular part of the show and it's brought to you by a whole new category of people living at the Rosie on the House referral network. We call it living in place. It's become a huge trend over the last decade and we've got members in the Rosie on the House certification that can help you yourself or your family in negotiating the events of aging in place we've got helping hands senior services it's a free senior placement service that you can use we've got get organized with bridges that can help you downsize or eliminate the clutter that's causing you stress or preparing you to move into a new facility and of course we've got twd design build remodel your aging in place experts all of these services are now found at Rosie on the House under Aging and Living in Place. They're sponsoring this segment of the show. Sweet Jennifer, our Aging in Place certified leader. Take us there. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. So Aging in Place kind of has a, a, puts a bad taste in your mouth. You want to tune out right away. We, but we all want to be independent as long as we can. So we're going to try to make this segment on a consistent basis and We'll have, try to have fun with it, too. But aging is not for sissies, you know. So you, you're trying to stay at home. Your body's not keeping up with what you're used to. And there's just some things you can do to help in that home to keep you there longer and, and safely. So last time we spoke, we spoke about falling, and we talked specifically about the bathroom and the shower. And we talked about slip doctors. That's a treatment you can put on your floor to kind of etch it and keep you from falling, different kinds of mats. We talked about all kinds of things. But one thing I didn't add in there was the super pole. And the super pole is a floor-to-ceiling bar, and it has a handle on it. And you can put that thing right outside your shower, right outside your tub, right beside your bed, and it's almost like having another pair of hands to help you. And so and we installed one in my mom's house a while back. And you can, when you're done with them, you just take them out. They're and, not, we, and when she moved, we actually had other customers that wanted to borrow it while we were remodeling their bathroom to accommodate their aging in place designs. Yeah, and it's, it's just like a pole from from floor to ceiling, but it also has like little bins in it for your hand and also a little um, handle. And you can, those are adjustable. You can even put them next to the toilet. So anyway, that's just wonderful. If you have the strength to use that, it's a, it's a great tool. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about falling. Because once someone falls, that often starts a very bad downward spiral. So you want to think about falling and preventing falling all through your house. And some of the things that really contribute to falling are the failure of eyesight. And, um, you know, you you think about it being, um, there's all kinds of things that keep you from conditions that would keep you from sensing depth or color or contrast or... um, and loss of balance. I mean, I mean, Correct. when you're used to could let the little dog run between your feet and you could hop and skip and dance around it, you kind of lose that ability. And sometimes that little dog coming around. And couple that with depth, lack of depth perception and also just you're stiffer. So you, 
you know, you have your field of vision is less. So it's a lot of things that can complicate keeping your balance or staying upright. So some of the things you can do um, proactively proactively would be to make sure that there's not a lot of glare in the house and whether that's using the right kind of light bulbs on the inside or making sure you have the right kind of glazing or, or sunscreens on the outside where, where you can, you're inhibited from seeing clearly. And um, another thing you can do is make sure that there's contrast whenever there's a change of flooring, especially if there's a step up or down. As you get older, you might not be able to discern that, and you could completely miss it. So one thing you could do is use different um, surfaces, uh, different colors, you know, different colors in carpet, just anything like that that would help the eye to catch that there's a difference. Hey, there's a change coming up. Pay attention. Um, also, as much as we love our area rugs, they're really not a good idea. It's really easy to get your shoe caught on the edge or your walker or anything like that. So area rugs are not recommended. And then just really clear the clutter. <clears throat> Make sure the things are picked up. There's a lot of room to move around, and you don't have a chance of tripping over something. All of this Aging in Place segment will be a regular part of the show. If you've got tips or ideas you'd like to share or strategies that you've used successfully at your home or at the home of loved ones, feel free to send that information to us at Roselle House, and we'll cover it. We'd like to thank, again, a new category of service providers that we have at Rosie on the House listed under living in place. Uh, we've got a question here. Rosie, I've got a 23-year-old air conditioning unit. It was rebuilt six years ago. Still pumping out cold air. Seems to be fine. But my condensate is coming out rusty. Should I be worried? You should definitely be saving your money, my friend, for an air conditioner which can only mean there's rust on the coils, right? It's 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 uh, or, or or depending if it's a horizontal air handler, it could be the pan is rusty. But 23 year old pumping out rust for any reason, there's probably a pretty good chance you're getting very close to the end of the economic life of that unit. So that that condensate uh, should be is, is you know distilled water. It, is. it, it, it should be as clean as clean could be <laughs> it should it absolutely should i've got another one that says hey i'm never drained a water heater in seven years is it time to do it <laughs> be very careful if you have a plumber you trust let the plumber drain a seven-year-old unit that's never been drained there can be a lot of problems in letting it go seven years and then deciding to drain it Sanderson Ford. They're on 51st Avenue, just south of Glendale Avenue in Glendale, Arizona. They're open Monday morning to Saturday afternoon, always closed on Sunday. An inventory packed 65 acres, celebrating 66 years of success, serving the community and the state. Know this, Arizona truly is Sanderson Ford Country, still owned by the same family that opened the dealership on May 1st, 1955, with 250 service bays and collision bays, 22 master certified technicians, 
an on-site Starliner diner, an accessory shop to add your customized personal touch to any vehicle, the largest parts inventory in the entire state, and a dedicated commercial fleet department, as well as a website that'll let you shop, buy from your very own home, and they'll deliver the car to your driveway. Sanderson Ford, if you're in the vehicle shopping mode, you would absolutely be crazy not to stop by and visit the great folks at Sanderson Ford on 51st Avenue, Monday morning through Saturday evening. They're there waiting for you to treat you like a neighbor. Sanderson Ford. You tell all your friends and I am the man to see Baby, I'm your handyman That's what we are. Every Arizona homeowner's handyman. We like to be every Arizona homeowner's best friend. If you have a dilemma or a question or a problem or some anxiety that your household or castle is causing, we'd like you to get in the habit of thinking about contacting Rosie on the house first. It's free. We've been here since the 60s. We'll put everything we've learned to work doing this show for 33 years, building and remodeling across Arizona for 50 years. We'll put everything we've learned to work for you. Let's go to Terry, who's on the line right now, calling from Cave Creek. Good morning, Terry. How can we help you, my friend? Good morning, Rosie. Question. We've lived in Arizona for eight years now. We've been lucky enough to buy two brand-new homes, and we have a dust problem. And it's the same builder, and they tell us, well, Arizona's dusty. (laughs) I mean, we mop the floors every Saturday, and there's always... There's always dust, and it's just me and my wife and a little dog. And how long have you been in the home? We've been in the home since we closed in October. And you've lived in in, in other Arizona homes how long? Uh, Well, let's see, it'd be almost seven and a half years. And those other homes you didn't feel were as dusty as the one you're living in right now? No, it, it felt dusty, too. Well, then we need to take a look. The first thing we're going to need to take a look at, Terry, is your central air conditioning system. We're going to have to take a look at the filtration. We're going to have to look at the integrity of the ductwork, the return air. If if you're, like right now, what temperature are you keeping the house in the summer? Summertime, we tried 78, too warm, 77, too warm. 76 hits the perfect spot. Okay. When we go out, I, I kick it up to 78. Okay, well, I'll, I've got some other things I want to teach you a little bit later. But right now, at 76, your air conditioning ought to be running often enough. What kind of air conditioning filter are you using? Um, the one that's recommended, and I, I change them every, the first of the month. And are they, spun, are they spun fiberglass, or are they pleated, pleated paper? I believe they're, uh, I guess that'd be pleated paper. Good. With all the okay. little folds in them. Good, good, good. Okay, that's the filter we would want you to use. There, there should be there should be a reason we we should be able to keep an Arizona home, particularly in a record rainfall monsoon where the dust isn't a particular problem right now. We ought to be able to keep a, a home fairly clean. 
I would tell you, I would go back to the builder and I would ask him, I'd say, we'd like to do a whole house energy audit. It's going to cost $99. It will check the integrity of your ductwork to see if you've got excessive leakage. We should be able to get your duct leakage to well under 10%, close to 5%, hopefully. We've recently conducted several surveys where duct leakage was well over 30 and 40%. It's not unusual for us to find 15%. And that's generally the number one place that we're creating dust is sucking attic air, attic insulation into the ductwork before poor ductwork. It's going to cost you $99 to get it done. In a new home, your builder ought to pay for that as a courtesy, I feel. But if not, 99 bucks. you can find Whole House Energy audit experts at rosieonthehouse.com. Get that audit done. Let's take a look at the integrity of the ductwork. That'll be my first place to look when we've got a dusty house. We've got other places we can look, but that's the first cheapest place to look. That'll also let you see if there's any leakage and seepage coming in around your windows and doors, which would be the next area. So congratulations on the new home. Uh, get that energy audit done and let us know what you can uh, res- resolve from there. Keep us posted. What do you do with unwanted surface water? The number of inquiries we've had at the office over the past couple of weeks about, hey, can you come install a French drain? That isn't as easy as you would hope it could be. A French drain for a residential lot can really very easily be overwhelmed. Romy, do you happen to remember the statistic for every inch of rain that you rain harvest per thousand square feet of your roof area? It's 600 gallons? I think so. So that's 12 55-gallon drums. Almost impossible residentially, particularly in the tight condo homes. And they're the ones with the small patios that have the biggest amount of drainage problem because all the roofs are just dropping into an area. The water's got no place to go. Situation where it's the only thing you can do with it. I can tell you that it isn't too big to dig a hole six foot by six foot, a minimum six foot deep and then you have to put geotechnical fabric line the hole with it because you don't want the mud silting in this drain that you're building then you take vertical pvc pipe with holes drilled in it and you stack it in that hole and then you fill the hole with two inch size rock And I even take the PVC pipe and I pound it into the ground as far as I can get it. Then I load the entire thing with two to four inch size rock. Then I lay a geotech material over the top of it and then a a drainage grate on top of that. And it will even be overwhelmed in the size rain events we've had. But it will help to some degree but you're not gonna you're not gonna be successful people want us to come out and do a french drain and they're thinking i'm gonna dig a hole about the size of a five gallon bucket and fill it with rocks that's nothing that's not getting anything done so if you don't have the room to put in something that's about the size of six feet 
by six feet that's going to be a minimum of six foot deep, then we really don't have the opportunity to use French drains as a strategy on your property. Just one little tip with all the surface water we've been dealing with in the rain events this past monsoon season. Talking about developing raw land and what it takes to manipulate the drainage that at one time was falling on decomposed granite, desert washes, palaverde trees, mesquite trees, uh, creosote bushes, and the natural terrain that is now falling on your rooftop, on your patio deck, on your cool deck, on your driveway, on your sidewalks, on your streets. And what are we going to do with all of that water now that has no place to sink in? And how are we going to deal with it? And that's what goes in to subdivision planning when we're building out a brand new area. And I made a little joke about now your neighbor messes the whole thing up by putting one raised planter in the wrong place in their backyard and creates problems for you. And that's not a particularly huge exaggeration. I'm only going to say when you landscape your yard, you've got to take the time to analyze what impact it's going to have on the drainage in a good raining downpour, both upon your property and every property downhill from you. That's only the right thing to do. So make sure you're consulting an expert that can help guide you through that. Flood water. Expert. That's an interesting word, too. Can have a different meaning to a lot of people. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Some people claiming it are often seldom uh, worthy of it, I would say. <laughs> if someone has to claim it, you know they probably aren't. <clears throat> so, one concept we've talked about, you know, getting water diverted off of the Columbian River into the Green River, which would then flow into the Colorado. Before, Casa Grande actually has something in writing and is requesting a feasibility study from our, you know, D.C. about diverting water from Davenport, Iowa, where there's currently a diversion dam, over to Rock Springs, Wyoming. That's about a thousand miles where it would pour into the Green River and then travel the same path as any other water that comes into the Colorado from that far north. Someone in Casa Grande figured out that they could put a pipeline from Davenport, Iowa and they've to, got the, a, to the Green River in Wyoming. They've got a map. It's almost perfectly... That's brilliant. Uh, um, what do the folks real, in Davenport think of Casa Grande's idea? Because they specifically say this is for floodwater harvesting. At times when it flooded... Excessive. They would have this opportunity to then pump water over and fill up our reservoirs that are... This would be the Mississippi River that Davenport's on, right? Or close to it? Yep. Oh, okay. It, exactly. All right. You know how that floods. <laughs> I could I could ruin farm fields, but you could collect all that water and bring it down here. Farmers would be happy in Iowa. I don't know. Is it as possible? I mean, think I about know. all the living organisms that are in water. What would come over from those floods that could potentially 
infiltrate our water system. You know, we got crawfish over here. That's an interesting thought. Davenport water ends up in the Green River. Mississippi River water ends up in the Green River. What is it going to bring with it? Yeah. Ooh. Now we'll have to add a treatment system to that. And so, cha-ching, cha-ching, ching And you couldn't, I don't think you could do a pipeline. You know, think about how big the CAP canal is. And that's only a fraction of the size of what Imperial Canal is into yeah. the, the farm fields. There aren't pipes that big. Even if you could make a pipe that big, they don't have the equipment to move, put into position, and place together. So it would have to be some kind of mega open canal. I wonder who wrote that song. Had no idea. He, he made that for Rosie on the house 20 years before it ever started broadcasting. What a what an insightful man he must yeah. have been. <laughs> yeah. It's a, that's a fun song. Just dancing around over here. Texter from uh, at 411923 wants to know, what is your opinion of ductless air conditioner? And I'll let Bruce start with that one. But what... They're talking about ductless. Mm-hmm. It's a two-part system, one part outside, one part inside. There is a connection between them, mm-hmm. but it's just a copper pipe. Yep. It's not an air duct. All the air that's being air-conditioned on a traditional one, that is cooling in the cabinet inside the closet, and mm-hmm. then it's pushed through right. these through, ducts of air. Yeah, flexible or metal duct in an older house. and Well, well or... Some newer houses, but and if it's going through the attic, and you don't have a, you know, and it's above the insulation mm-hmm. line, you know, the attic temperatures in the hundred and forty plus in the heat of the summer, and so you're moving this air through a very hot space before right. it enters your home. A ductless one, it's cooling it all inside mm-hmm. your already air conditioned home, below the insulation line. Yeah, right, right in the room you want it. So they're <clears throat> a ductless system uh, is most commonly referred to as a mini split. Um, they've been popular overseas for a long time, um, especially in places that have never had central cooling or heating because there's no existing ductwork to upgrade systems. So uh, like you said, there's, there's still a small, typically very small uh, condensing unit outside, but and then there's a head unit which kind of takes the place of the traditional, you know, box in your closet or, or vent. in your attic. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. um, and it pumps out the cool air right there. Um, they're great um, for a, a number of applications. Um, garages, I have one in my garage. They're fantastic. Um, most of them, even the inexpensive ones, are a very high sear rating. And if you spend a little bit more money, you can easily get um, 20 plus sear for a system that's not all that expensive. Um, you know, Rosie always tells people that he used to have a swamp cooler in his garage and he switched over to a, a mini split, uh, had one of the certified partners come over and do that. And it was actually less expensive to run that mini split than it was to run his swamp cooler. So um, they're great. Uh, I've seen a lot of people use them in homes. If they've just got a problem room, 
that's always warm and they've tried just about everything they can within their budget, um, you know, short of tearing all the walls apart and taking off the outside siding and completely, you know, going above and beyond with, uh, you know, insulation on the outside of the house and that sort of thing. Um, they can be great for addressing problem areas for, you know, you're still going to probably be at least $5,000 into it, plus or minus a bit, depending on what you pick and installation, you know, how far away they have to run the line set and all that. But, um, they're, they're great and they just keep improving. Uh, they have systems where you can run multiple of those fan units, the boxes you put in your room off of one condenser. Um, they have uh, cassette style ones now that actually fit in the ceiling. So it almost looks like a traditional ceiling mounted supply register. So they're becoming more and more low profile. You know, a lot of people see them and they, they say, oh, I don't want that big ugly thing on my wall. Well, they're working on that. So they're they're a great system for, for a lot of applications. And if you have a 12 by 12 room and put in a mini split, you're going to get cold oh, yes. really fast. Oh, yes. And you get really cold. So you'll appreciate them. Very energy efficient. They are. And the key is the the size that you're trying to cool. Mm-hmm. It's not designed to do 3,000 square no. feet. They're designed, you know, anywhere from, you know, I, I think the biggest I've seen is like, is it 500 square feet maybe? Yeah. It might yeah. even be a little bigger, but I, it, it's not a whole home solution no. in most You'd cases. You'd have to have multiple units in that case. And let's go to Bruce in Tucson. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My question is this. I'm considering putting in a mini split in my garage. I'm trying to figure out how much um, electricity it's going to take to run that per month. There's a very basic calculation. Um, You know, obviously there's some variables in it, but this can help you. You have to take uh, the kilowatt hours um, that that air conditioner is listed that it's going to use or is going to use. And... It's probably not going to tell you in kilowatts. It's going to tell you how many volts and amps. Yeah, you, so you're you're going to have to, uh, and I don't have all those off the top of my head. Math was not my favorite subject. So, <laughs> um, but what you basically have to do is you have to figure out the kilowatt hours that it's going to use. Um, you, you know, kilowatts per hour, and multiply it by the kilowatts per hour unit cost. And the unit cost is going to be the unit cost from your power company. So that. You know, there can be some variables um, depending on time of day, if you're on, you know. On peak, uh, off peak. On peak, off peak, that sort of thing. But you take the kilowatt hours that you figure out from the unit, multiply it by the kilowatt hour unit cost, and that should give you the cost to operate that air conditioner for, for one hour. And that would be constant running, which when you have it on in a garage, unless you've really gone above and beyond got that insulation in the space above it, got an insulated garage door, done some extra weather stripping. Um, They're going to run a little more than a garage than if you put it in the inside home office. 